Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather each Sunday morning at 10.30 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church as Pastor Joel continues in the book of 2 Samuel. He's in chapter 3 with a message entitled, The Gentle King. You know, last week, uh, we or the second week in our series in 2 Samuel, uh, we considered last week what it, what, it, what it means to be unified. And truly, we can only experience that unity when we humbly follow the God's anointed king. We see everything else in this world that, that attempts to unify will actually fall apart and crumble. Uh, David is finally anointed king last week uh, over Israel. We've been waiting uh, all of 1 Samuel for that to happen. He's finally anointed king. Uh, and then Abner, who was Saul's commander, ends up taking Saul's son and making him king as well. So, so we have a, this divided kingdom uh, all on, the, on kind of the heels of this guy named Abner, who's the commander of Saul's army, uh, this, this general. And he's going to be central to our uh, story today as well. Uh, so I want to begin today by reading actually the last few verses of our chapter, because then when we go through the chapter, I want us to have a framework or a paradigm as we're looking at that. So uh, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 3 and verse 36 in the, pew, uh, the Bibles in the pews around you. It's on page 240 if you want to follow along. 2 Samuel 3, and we'll start in verse 36 and read to verse 39. 2 Samuel 3, 36. This is the word of the Lord. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them, as everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put to death Abner, the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And then verse 39. And I was gentle today, though anointed king. I was gentle today, though anointed king. David had been anointed king. He had all the authority, the power, the might to do anything and respond any way he wanted uh, to this, the death of this man who had caused him so much trouble, uh, and yet he responded in gentleness. We'll see that David, the king, was gentle, kind, and compassionate, full of mercy, to someone who didn't deserve it. And the kindness that David showed actually changed the heart of all the people. David's gentleness won the heart of the people. His, the king's tenderness led to repentance. So before we move on, let me, let me stop and let's, let's pray once more. Lord, as we uh, consider your words today, as we consider uh, the story that was written so long ago, Lord, but really is, is applicable to us today. And, and I know uh, your word is alive and active, and we're asking that it speak to everyone's heart and situation where they're at, Lord. Those who have uh, run away from you and those who have come back, those who are following you as king, let us uh, be informed of how we should live and work. And, uh, and Lord, that we would see your grace and mercy and gentleness as one of the most powerful things that can take 
uh, shape of our lives. And so Lord, we ask that you'd open our eyes, that we can see, open our ears, that we can hear your words. And Lord, soften our hearts so that we could really understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, before we jump into our text today, I want to illustrate a principle that we're going to see uh, take place throughout our, our story. Uh, this illustration actually comes from a, a very famous uh, book and musical, uh, Les Miserables. Has anyone ever seen that? It's one of my favorites. Les Mis, oh, it's so good, uh, so, so powerful. And it has one of the most powerful illustrations for, for me uh, on how gentleness and kindness change someone's heart. How, how gentleness changed someone's life. You know, for, you know the story. For 19 years, Jean Valjean was a prisoner uh, and just beaten, horrible, uh, living there for 19 years uh, as this prisoner. He's finally released. He's given these papers that he's supposed to show everyone that he's a prisoner and all this stuff. The world treats him absolutely hor horrible. Beat him, reject him. No one wants him. He has nothing. He has nowhere to go until he finally runs in uh, to this bishop, this older gentleman uh, who's a bishop of a church, who actually is the first person to show him kindness. He gives him a, a warm bed to sleep in. He gives him some, some food. Uh, he treats him like no one else did. Well, Valjean, you know in the story, he's got this hard heart. I mean, he's whipped for 19 years. All the world is against him, and so he's desperate. And so instead of accepting this man's generosity and kindness, uh, he, he plots and schemes, and he ends up in the middle of the night stealing the silverware from the church. Uh, he runs off in the middle of the night, only to be caught by the police the next day, and, and beaten and dragged along and then thrown in front of the bishop as he comes back and say, here, we found him, we're returning your silverware. He had the audacity to say that you had given it to him. And if you remember that, uh, that movie or that musical, you remember that, that scene, because it's powerful. The bishop says, yes, I gave it to him. But you left so fast. Why didn't you take the silver candlesticks as well? You know they're worth so much. Why did you leave them? And so the, the police, you know, they're confused and they walk off. And then there's this interchange between the bishop and Valjean. You see, he had shown him kindness and graciousness only to be met by evil by Valjean. And when he's returned back, he's still like gentle and compassionate of heart. And then you get in, in the movie, you get this, this song that, that comes up. These feelings that Valjean is, is feeling prompts this song. But it's prompted by mercy, not the whip. It, it, the song is prompted by kindness, not the sword. He says this, what have I done? Sweet Jesus, what have I done? Become a thief in the night, become a dog on the run? Yet why did I allow that man to touch my soul and teach me love? He treated me like any other. He gave me his trust. He called me brother. My life he claims for God above. Can such things be? For I had come to hate the world, this world that always hated me. See, Valjean had been whipped and beaten for 19 years, had been rejected by everyone, and yet this man and this gentleness and compassion melted the heart of this guy. Well, as we return to our text today, we're going to see the same principle at work. The gentle compassion of the king 
wins the heart of the people like no sword or judgment could. The kindness and compassion of the king changed people. Well, now central to our story, and this is a confusing story, I admit. I I had to spend multiple times reading it to try and figure out what is going on with all these people and places. Uh, But central to our story today is a guy named Abner. Uh, And Abner has interactions with, uh, I'm going to use three different people in it. There's a couple other little ones, but three main people he interacts with. And and these three people, they all treat Abner differently. Uh, So we have uh, this king, Ithbosheth. That's who Abner made as, as king, opposing to David. Uh, he's the, uh, the king he's loyal to, the commander that he's uh, next to. The king, uh, king Isbosheth, he actually betrays uh, Abner. He meets with King David on the other side, and, and King David actually redeems him. And then we'll see Joab, uh, this other man we'll, we'll get into. And Joab actually kills him. So Isbosheth betrays him, King David redeems him, Joab Kills him. That'll be kind of our outline for uh, the story today. So first, let me remind you who Abner is. Uh, Abner is—he's an older man. He's uh, the general of the army. Uh, he was of Saul. He's a—he's. Can you imagine the general of army? I mean, those are tough, strong guys who have their whole life has been spent with killing and murder and deceit and, and being loyal to the king and giving everything you can uh, for the the kingdom. Abner is this hardened warrior, a strong man. Now, after Saul died, it was even Abner that remained loyal to, to Saul's heritage, his house. Uh, so that even after a couple years where there's no, no king on Saul's uh, side, he takes his son, Ithbosheth, who doesn't even seem to be wanting to be king, and makes him king. Uh, he's so loyal to it. It's like this blind loyalty, uh, I think, for king and country. I think if it was Abner's war cry, it would be for king and country, like a secret service person that, that protects the, the president. I mean, it doesn't matter about politics. It doesn't matter about anything else. You're trained to give your life, if it comes to that, for the person in that position of president or king. Now, for Abner, it might have meant uh, keeping his political power, too, as the commander, but both could be True. Uh, It it appears in our story that after Saul died, that Abner could have very easily uh, made a kind of a coup. He was in charge of the whole army. He could have been king if he wanted to, but he stays loyal. He could have uh, made himself king by force, but he makes Ithbosheth king, Saul's son. So he's he's still loyal to Saul even after his death. Well, after Saul died, there was, there was a seven-year period, uh, and, and Abner remained faithful to him and fought for the house of Saul, even as it crumbled all around him, for king and country. And you wonder how many men he had killed to protect Saul and his kingdom. How many missions had he been on? How many days did he spend in the great outdoors uh, going on some mission to protect Saul's heritage? So finally, when he makes Ithbosheth, Saul's son king, I'm sure Abner felt, yep, I'm slipping right back into my role. I'm the commander of the army. I'm going to be, stay loyal and devoted uh, to the king. Until one day, Ishbosheth, he, he calls Abner to his courts. The commander of his army, who's been nothing but loyal, calls him to his courts and accuses him. Why did you sleep with my father's concubine? Uh, which in that day would have meant treason, like, like Abner was trying to become king himself. Oh, why did you betray me and cheat on me? 
Well, whether he did or not, it's not very clear in the Bible, but more than likely, we do know above all that Abner was loyal to Saul in his house. And so it's like he's stabbed in, stabbed in the back. I mean, after all these years of loyally serving this kingdom, uh, the king of that kingdom just totally disregards him. A king that had been living so self-consumed in fear and worry, uh, basically discounting the one man who had given his life for him. Makes you want to wonder, can, can you relate a little bit to Abner? I mean, have you ever given your life to, to a company or a friend or something uh, just to get to the end and then they just discard you like it's, like it's nothing? Well, Abner had finally had enough. And you wonder what questions he had in his mind. Had I sacrificed my whole life? Am I on the wrong side of this battle? What, what if I've chosen the wrong way? What, what, if, what if I became this scoundrel, this murderer, this liar, this cheat for the wrong person in kingdom? Because he comes to the end and he's never satisfied. Maybe this is not it. Now he finds himself rethinking his loyalty. And in our story, we're, we're kind of summarizing up to uh, verse 20 here. He, he, he comes to the point where he's like, I'm going to leave behind the thing that I gave my whole life to. Uh, he starts heading to Hebron, where King David is. Uh, this man that was focused on attacking, and, uh, attacking the enemy, which was David, and protecting his, uh, his uh, kingdom of Saul, is now walking to the very place that he had so long uh, attacked and, and schemed and uh, gone after. You wonder what he had in his mind, like, uh, all the years that I had done this, and now I'm going this way. And wondering, boy, was he just afraid as he's walking there? If anyone sees me, if anyone knows me, they're going to kill me. I wonder if he would have longed to wear a mask <laughs> that day as he's walking to Hebron. But Abner came, offering David his loyalty. Not to be equals with them, but to be Loyal to to unite the tribes under God's anointed king. But how would David receive him? How would David respond to the enemy's commander? We'll pick up our story in 2 Samuel 3. We'll be in verse 20. <clears throat> Excuse me, verse 20. That's just back in your uh, verse, uh, page 239, if you want to follow along in your, your pew Bible. 2 Samuel 3 and verse 20. When Abner came with 20 men to David at Hebron, David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. And Abner said to David, I will arise and go after and go and will gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Abner went away in peace. I, I wonder if that's actually the first time Abner had ever experienced peace. Uh, this man of war who had always had to prove uh, right was, was working for Saul, who was like a madman, totally self-consumed. And now his son, who was totally self-consumed as well. Never enough. They're always backstabbing each other. And he comes to this King David, God's anointed king, and he receives Compassion and kindness. A, a king that assumingly forgave his past sins and wrongdoings. 
that actually offered him a hope and a future and welcomed him, and get this, with a feast. He he says, break it out. Kill the fattened lamb. We're going to have a feast. My brother has come home. Well, the king was gentle, but not all of his servants were. They didn't all follow the king's examples. So while Abner was Saul's commander, uh, David actually had a commander too, same position. His name was Joab. Uh, Joab and Abner, we get multiple counts of them fighting against each other over and over. And and in in fact, Abner killed Joab's brother. It was personal for him. They knew each other's like uh, deception and war and how evil they could be and how rough they could be with each other. Uh, These two men knew each other well. And, And so when uh, Abner goes and meets David. Joab is actually off making raids on himself, and I think that's on purpose. I, I think Abner was like, I'll meet with the king, but I'm not quite sure how Joab, when we've been fighting for you know, years and years, how he's going to re- respond. So when Joab actually comes back, we'll, we're going to see that he's actually furious. Uh, let's pick up our story in verse 22. Just then the servants of David arrived with Joab from a raid, bringing much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David at Hebron, for he, had been, for he had sent him away, and he had gone in peace. When Joab and all the army who had, who, uh, that was with him came, it was told Joab, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king, and he has let him go, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab went to the king and said, What have you done? Behold, Abner came to you. Why is it that you have sent him away so that that he's gone? You know that Abner the son of Ner came to deceive you and to know your goings out and your comings in and to know all that you are doing. Abner's our enemy and you just let him walk in here? Job's upset. How could you just let him go? Don't you know all the terrible things that he has done? Don't you know what a scumbag this guy is? Abner's a scoundrel. He's a cheat. He's a liar. He does not deserve mercy in the least. And you just let him walk out. So Joab takes matters in his own hands. Look at verse 26. When Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, and they brought him back from the cisterns of Sirah. But David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately. Come here, can I talk to you? And there he struck him in the stomach so that he died. For the blood of Ashael, his brother. Afterwards, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. May it fall upon the head of Joab until all his father's house. And may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or one who is leprous or one who holds a spindle or one who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put their brother, Ashiel, to death in the battle at Gibeon. Joab so consumed with this revenge and justice of his brother. He ends up killing him, and it's exactly the same way. They, word, they use this word belly in both. That's not very often, but it connects both of them. Uh, Abner had killed his brother in the belly, striking him in the belly, and so that's exactly what Joab now does with Abner, strikes him in the belly. He got justice. 
David had given him like this safe passage. He sent him away in, in peace. And the king's servant actually disobeyed the king's wishes. The king offered him mercy and kindness, but the king's servant only offered him judgment and revenge. I think, uh, just to pause right here, I think it's a warning for all of us. If we're followers of uh, Jesus Christ, if we're followers of our, our king, it's actually possible that we do things in opposition to what our king wants. Where he offers mercy, we should not be the ones to offer the sword. Uh, let's continue. Verse 31. Here's David's re response to all that. Verse 31 says, Then David said to Joab and to all the people who are with him, Tear your clothes. And put on sackcloth and mourn before Abner. And the and King David followed the we either call it beer or br. It's the uh, the cart that that the body was was taken away on. It's like the uh, a hearse in modern day things. He was following behind that. They buried Abner at Hebron. And the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner. And all the people wept. And the king lamented for Abner, saying. Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. As one falls before the wicked, you have fallen. And all the people wept again over him. Then all the people came to persuade David to eat bread while it was yet day. But David swore, saying, God do to me, and more also, if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. And everyone's watching. And all the people took notice of it, and it pleased them. What pleased them? It wasn't David's strength or his victories in war or his sword. It was, it was his kindness. It was his humbleness, his gentleness to a man that was once his enemy, to a man that was given a, a second chance. Uh, continue reading verse 36 says, everything that the king did pleased all the people. So all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's will to put uh, to death Abner, the son of Ner. And the king said to his servants, do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I was gentle today, though anointed king. These men, the son of Zeruiah, are more severe than I. The Lord repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. See, David's gentleness was not overlooking evil, but actually giving the evil into the hands of the Lord and in response giving grace and mercy and love. It's like this great exchange. So, so here's just a summary of what we read today. So, so Abner gives his whole life to this kingdom. Uh, King Saul and his son and, and that side of everything, only to be discarded at the very end because of some fear or jealousy or, or something by the king. Then Abner, Abner he humbly goes to uh, the other side, God's anointed king, and there we see him receiving grace and mercy and forgiveness. And then sent on his way only to be met by judgment from the king's servants. Maybe you can relate to Abner today. Maybe you have spent your whole life uh, on the wrong side of things, and you're like, it's, it's empty. They're, they're betraying. They're, they just pushed me away for, for nothing. 
You've given faithful service to, to something uh, that maybe not God's anointed king, and, and you're left going, now what? It's a, it's a long walk to the other side. Will, will I even be accepted by the king? Will he even want to see me? I mean, I put so many of his men even to death. I, I've, I've claimed my loyalty to this world, and now will I come to Jesus? What, how will he accept me? And we see this picture of this loving kindness of the king. When your kingdom crumbles and falls apart and you have nowhere else to go, I want to tell you today, King Jesus is ready to accept you with open arms and has a feast for you. There's forgiveness and love and mercy. No matter how many years you've walked the wrong, wrong way, you can always come back to King Jesus. Well, I want to end with kind of two challenges from our story uh, today. Now, the first one is this. Don't mistake the king's kindness for weakness. Don't mistake the king's gentleness uh, with him being unwilling or unable to do something. David, he meets with Abner, and, and he sends him away in peace. We read it three times, in peace he went away, in peace. The shalom, this everything is right between Abner and David. Even though years of rebellion and going the wrong way, he meets with the king and he's offered this shalom, this peace. No matter what Abner had done in his past, what his motivation was for coming to David at all, David was willing to offer him mercy and love. And I can't help but believe, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I can't help but believe that after Abner met with David that day and was sent away in peace, his heart must have been just like Valjean's. I'm accepted. I'm forgiven. There is, there is hope. Even if I was on the wrong side all these years, there is hope. He's set free from his past. You know, and, and, and David's kindness was not even just to Abner. It was to his own, uh, own general as well. Well, there's some curses. There's some consequences for what Joab had done to Abner. But then he invites him into the mourning process. Do you see that? He, he, like, he doesn't kill him. He doesn't go, hey, you disobeyed my order. Here comes the sword. I'm going to slice your head off. He says, come, rip your clothes, mourn with me, R repent. He, he actually ushers him in. What a gentle king to even do that. And in doing that, the king wins the heart of everybody, all the people. They see and they're like, what an amazing king this is. Not because of his sword, but because of his mercy. And the northern tribes were won over to David. It's such a picture of Jesus. Let me read just two sections of, of Scripture. Don't mistake the king's kindness for weakness. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I think God will allow you to go the wrong way for a long time, and the whole time he'll say, come back, come back, come back. There is a day of justice that's coming, but as long as you're alive, it's because of the patience of the Lord wishing that he would change your heart. Romans 2, in verse 1, says this, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. You know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, 
you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day on the day, you're staring up for the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Don't mistake God's kindness for weakness. There will be a day of judgment. We will all face it. But in the meantime, God's patience, his kindness, his love, his forgiveness is hoping to touch your heart and restore you relationship to the king. Don't mistake God's, God's kindness for weakness. The second thing is this. Uh, for those of us who are kings, the king's servants, we would put ourselves in that category. We need to be very careful that we're choosing the right weapon for the battle. You know, there are times we need to bring a sword. Uh, when it's justice or you're protecting the weak or the innocent. Uh, there's a time for war. There's a time for justice. And there's a time for the hammer or the sword to, to come down. But there's also a time for mercy and grace and love. So, so how do you know which one of those uh, tools that you should be grabbing? Is it the sword and judgment, or is it compassion and mercy? Uh, so whether you want to decide, I think just ask yourself this question. As you interact with somebody, uh, a neighbor, a, a spouse, a kid, um, a coworker, ask yourself this. Am I trying to defeat this person? Am I trying to claim victory over them? Am I trying to bring my knowledge to just crush their stupid, petty argument? Am I trying to win? Or am I trying to win their heart? Am I trying to see their, their heart changed? Because if it is, a sword's not going to do it. doesn't matter how powerful you are. Am I trying to defeat this person or win their heart? What's the goal of this exchange? To win the argument or to win their soul? As Christians, uh, our strength comes first and foremost by our gentleness, our kindness, our love, and our mercy. And that's because that's what Jesus did. Now, we see examples of this all through the Bible. I had a hard time even like, I wrote one down and I'm like, oh, there's another good one. Oh, this is another good one. They're just all over. You remember Saul? He was so adamant and passionate on the wrong side, killing Christians. He accepts the Lord, and he's met by the, all the Christians going, I don't know about you, except for one guy named Barnabas. who says, yeah, come. Let me, let me teach you. Let, let me love on you. Let me encourage you. And because of that kindness of even Barnabas, he's accepted into the Christian community and changes history. Like, it's amazing. When I was a young man, a prideful, egotistical young man, a missionary named Jim Miller, showed me kindness and compassion. It changed my life. I think we often think of terms of strength with uh, force and power and uh, knowledge, and I know it all, but the kingdom of God is actually about a much more powerful force. A force that can actually melt someone's heart and change it. Mercy and love. Let me end with this, this verse from Isaiah. Isaiah 40 and 10. It's talking about this great day of when the king's going to come and what his kingdom's going to be like. Isaiah 40 and verse 10 says, Behold, the Lord God will come with might, 
And his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He's coming. Then verse 11 describes how he's coming. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. We see that the mercy and compassion and love of the king changed the heart of all the people. So I don't know where you're at today. If you're an Abner that's run far, far away and giving your life and loyalty to something that you're like, am I choosing the wrong side? Have I given my whole life to the wrong thing? It's just one turn back to a king that will love you and forgive you. If you're a follower of the king, uh, we see his wishes very well in our, in our Bibles. We know that he offers love and mercy. So let's be a people that rightly respond and reflect that king. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to um, ask the worship team to come back up. Uh, if you need prayer this morning, again, I'm just going to say it. Ryan and Jenny are up here. Uh, I'll be in the back over there. I'd love to, to pray with you. Um, there's a lot of heavy things on a lot of people's hearts um, and, and I hope as we come to worship that you'll be able to lay a lot of those burdens down. Uh, you might have a long journey back to the Lord, or it seems like a long journey, and you're just questioning, am I just going to get killed when I finally show my face, if they really know who I am? And, and I just want to uh, pray right now that you, God would give you strength and courage to, to make that journey, uh, and that for those of us who are walking with the Lord and have stumbled and come back, that we would show the adequate grace that we need. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we look around and even look at um, politics and people in leadership and the show of power and might and strength is totally opposite of what your kingdom is. And Lord, how often we, we do that with our neighbors or our kids or our spouse, how we, um, we win the argument, we bring the sword and we demolish them. And Lord, um, what we really need to bring is a heart of compassion and love. Uh, probably so much more than we do. So Lord, would you, um, as we come to you, each one of us who have stumbled and gone the wrong way, uh, even at times this week, would we come back to you, even these next few songs, would you draw our hearts to you? Would you melt uh, the heart of stone that we have in areas and, uh, and make us more like you and love you more? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.